Welcome to Reluctantly Graceful, the podcast. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Brittany. This week, we're talking about relationships. Platonic relationships, like friendships. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was not expecting <laughs> us to go in this, 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 this introduction journey, but I'm here for right. it, and I'm excited. So yes, we're talking about friendships. If you give me the task of doing the intro, I have to like bring the energy, because you normally bring the energy. I feel like I don't, um, but that's okay. Now that I know that that is the perception that you have of, of our friendship <laughs> and how I introduce things, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. Minor, minor details. Minor details. Not important. Okay. So question for you. Yes. How many deep level friendships do you have? I, I should have. I thought I was going to be prepared for you to ask this question and me to not know what the question was. So that I could be prepared for an answer. I was like, oh, it'll be fine. She's going to ask. She's going to set it up and it's going to be great. Um, I was not prepared for it to go in that way. How many deep? Yes, like people that you know you can go to if you have an issue. People you know you can turn to and share all your dirty, dark secrets with and just hear like the honest answers, you know? Yeah. Like, best friends can't bully each other. We say that all the time. They cannot. Best friends don't bully. They speak out of love. Sometimes it's a, it's a painful love, but correction is painful at times. All right. I will say roughly about 10. However, here's the caveat, right? Yes, we're going to say 10. One of those 10 is a group of six women. Um, so we'll put them together as a group. So you have this group of six and then you have nine others. Yes. Yes. When did you get so many deep friendships? <laughs> um, I feel like for the last like three years, we've been always saying that I'm the one with all these friends and you have no friends. <laughs> yes, that is true. Because, because my friendships are so deep, I have a hard time doing just surface level friendships. And so because of that, most people, when they have a lot of friends, from my observation, I could be completely wrong, but just from my observation, it appears to be surface level. We can go, we can hang out, we can go grab people who do happy hour. Um, we can go to happy hour or we can grab something to eat or we can go watch a movie, but it doesn't really go beyond just those surface level things. I, my friendships are, the ones that I do have are very deep. They can talk about, we can talk about anything. Um, and those are the people that I would be comfortable and okay with crying in front of, because for me, that's, that's the, the benchmark that I use to measure whether or not a friendship is a solid friendship. If I can't cry in front of you, then just know that we just hang out. <laughs> I don't know what to, I don't know. So, but if I'm, if it's someone I'm comfortable enough crying in front of or crying with, then we're fine. So I have a, I'd, I'd say I have nine individual people and then one group of people that consist of six. So I guess in total, I have 15 if I did the math right. That's impressive. But also, if we go by the people that I feel comfortable crying in front of, that just made my list a whole lot smaller. That's my that's my benchmark. I if I can't ugly cry and my life completely fall apart in front of you then we're really just kind of pals that can just pal around and just chit chat. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like sometimes you need the conversation of just, I'm going to go out and it nothing, it's not going to be deep. It's just going to be like, all right, I have this friend who we always do this one thing together. Sometimes it's refreshing. Oh, I agree. To just be like, I only go to the movies with this one person. And that's the only thing we ever do is go watch a movie together. Right. Like I agree. It's, it's kind of nice to have those surface level friendships at the same time. I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. My life tends to, to be more complex um, every day, all day. <laughs> and so personally, I, I need to know because of the nature of my job, because the emotional roller coaster that my life has been over the past couple of years, I need to know in order for me to consider someone a solid friend, that if I can just come and just say, my life is a mess and I'm just going to sit here and I might shed a tear or two, but it's fine. Just push some Oreos in my direction. I'll pick myself up and we can talk about it or we don't have to talk about it. That's fine. 
that's how I determine a solid friendship. That makes sense. For me. Now, two years from now, who knows what my life seasons will look like. That could not necessarily be needed. But for right now, it's, it's something that I've needed. Especially over the past couple of years, it's something that I've needed. And so I've really appreciated having those people. My crew. Shout out to the crew. Shout out to the crew. My group text crew is probably one of my favorites. I know. They, they are one of my favorites. I did not think that I would ever have that type of friendship with a group of women at the time that that friendship started. I was incredibly guarded. For me, it was like, I don't want to be, I don't, don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Don't think about me. Don't look in my direction. If you smile at me, you might get a smile back. But if you don't, it's okay. I mean, it's never okay for it to smile at someone and someone to not smile back. But that was just. I wish you, you see my face when you said <laughs> that. <laughs> that. That was just where my life was at at the time. And so I never in a million years imagined that I would at the juncture that I met them, be able to establish deep relationships and want that and be okay with that. Okay. So how did that happen then? Like, I mean, I know how it happened because you left and you called me four days later and you were like, yo, these are like my best people for life. Yeah. And then you were like, I like to hug now. I don't know what happened. That be, that, that became the, the beginning journey of hugging. I hugged someone the other day, wasn't surprised by it. They also were not surprised. So I feel like I'm doing something wrong in this hug game life. If, <laughs> if I can hug someone and they receive the hug and it's not like this, oh my gosh, what's happening? Uh, am I about to die? Are we all dying type of experience? The, the four times in, what is it, 12 years that we've known each other, that I, that's how I act every time. It's okay, one me. day that will not be your reaction, but that's okay. We will get there. Life's a journey. We don't have to figure it all out at once. Um, how did that friendship develop? So, yeah, like I feel like, so I feel like there is this like concept and this idea that's out in the world right now of like people not having deep friends that they can confide in. Like even in the church world, you hear it being preached that like people don't have these friendships. They don't have these connections where they feel like they can actually like be themselves and open up. But I feel like we don't have that. So like for someone who's listening and they're like, I want that, but how do I do that? So how did it happen for you? That's a great, that's a great question. That's a great question. I'm going to do my politician of repeat the the same statement over and over again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it was around, I want to say possibly November, yes, it was about October, November 2020, when my life was just in utter ruins. And um, one of my really good friends, who was a deep friend, Sam, suggested that I do this wellness retreat that she had done a couple of years prior. I don't know. I was at a place where it just made sense. Nothing else was working out in life. I felt like everything was over. It was all doom and gloom. There was never going to be another happiness or sunshine or rainbow or anything. And so I figured, why not? The worst that happens is I go on this mountain retreat with a whole bunch of people. And I come back alive and still the same person as before. And I, but I survived. Because, I, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm a city person. I need, <laughs> I need street lights. I need the commotion, the hustle, the bustle for me to feel comfortable um, in most situations. Although I've gotten better with that. And so I went. Um, it was called Campwell. Or it is called Campwell. That's still the name of it. So I went to Campwell. There were several online models and experiences that you had to like work through to get to know yourself better, to dig deeper into who you are. What are your values? Being able to recognize that some of the reasons you have, some of the core values and the strong stances that you have come from a, a reason or an experience um, that you've had to develop, cause that to develop. And then we gathered together at... Um, Lost Valley Ranch in Colorado for four days with no cell service. And so I went to this experience for four days with no cell service in a valley in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, we'll see what happens. I cannot, even to this day, I cannot explain or articulate what happened there. Other than God met me at the lowest point of my life. 
and said, we're going to go back different. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that's going to look like, but sure. Sounds good. And he managed to, to work through whatever I needed to work through and to move in a way and connected with some people that I otherwise would have never have met at a point that I really needed it, who allowed me to sit in the stillness of the pain that I had experienced the time, like the, few, the weeks, the months prior, that I had never really sat with in a safe place just to process all at one time. I had processed with you. I processed with Sam. I processed with my friend Arielle, who has been my, my ace since day one. Um, I processed with Alex. Like I processed with a variety of different people. My friend Ashley at various junctures, but never did I just sit in that moment with no other distractions, with nothing else going on to really sit with the weight of the pain that I had just been shifting from side to side and position to position. And it's just something, it was, I don't know. I, I, to this day, I still cannot describe it. Nothing like magical happened. We didn't drink some like voodoo water or, (laughs) you know, like do some howling at the moon at the middle of the night. Like none of those things happened. It truly was just a group of women who were sitting in a weird juncture in a place in life that just wanted more, wanted to sort through it. And we're just given the opportunity to sort through it um, and to work through it. And something beautiful happens when gather together to sit in the presence of God and to sit in the company of other women who are struggling with different things, processing different things, fighting different things to say, like, I want better. I want more. I want different. I don't want to be the same. Um, And that was where I was at at that point of my life. I did not want to leave that season that I was in the same person that I started that season with. Uh, And that happened. And I still talk to them. I text them the other day after work was just crazy this week. And I just, I couldn't sleep. I was wrestling with some stuff and said, if you can just pray for peace, because I, I cannot, I'm not settled. And they did at their various junctures of the world. Cause everybody lives, you know, all over the U S of a and different things going on in their own lives. But I mean, we just, the way that they, allowed me to exist and have continued to show up for me and we've shown up for each other and prayed for each other various things it's just it's a very very beautiful and dynamic thing don't really feel like that answered your question at all but thank you for listening. not at all didn't it didn't answer the question i think uh now that i'm thinking about it it's one of the first times though that i've sat down I, I know we've talked about my experience in colorado at various different junctures um but not yeah in the manner that i just explained i think deep, meaningful relationships come from a place of vulnerability. People choosing to show up and say, I am vulnerable. This is me. This is the real me. Don't let me sit here alone is where deep relationships come from. Yeah. There's gotta be that, that trust or that vulnerability of like, cause I feel like even some of my relationships, it wasn't necessarily like I didn't trust them. I was just at the point where I was like, you know what? This is who I am. I'm not ashamed of it. I know I'm I'm a hot mess right now. <laughs> like I need you to know the truth, so I'm going to be vulnerable. Like not knowing who you are at all. And you know, like that that has turned out to be some of my closest friends as well. Is just being open and honest and saying, "Hey, I don't like this and you may not like it either, but I agree. And I think vulnerability, it's scary. Vulnerability is so scary. It's unveiling and opening yourself to someone who may not accept it, who may say, well, that's too much. Um, Please pack that back up and take that with you as you exit stage left. And we have both been those people at points. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I do not have the... The ability to carry that right now is over my weight limit. So, so, so please stop. No, 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 don't stop. Can you not? Yeah, don't unpack. No, no, please, please keep that packed tightly away. I have to say, though, I think having experienced the things that I've experienced over the past few months and couple of years, I think I'm at a place to at least hear what people have to say and, and and allow their vulnerability to have a moment of rest doesn't mean that it's the final location. Yeah. I think I've gotten a lot better at saying, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable in this moment. Um, it, it can't stay here because I'm not the appropriate person to, to house that. 
but I can hear it. I can create space for you while you navigate what that looks like to repackage it in a different way that's lighter um, and easier to carry while you find that ultimate person. Mm -hmm. Because it is, yeah, it's hard. I think that I probably would have gotten on a flight in Colorado had I had everyone at the table that I was sitting at with these women and I just said, I'm going to be vulnerable. And their response was, whoa, that's a lot. Um, please pack that back away. Pack that back up and, and don't bring that back out. I would have been like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to leave. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I might walk. I'm not sure, but I'm going to go. So I think. I think it's two people being vulnerable together. Yes. yes. Or a group of people. But the the idea of you need space, but so do I. Like, we can be vulnerable together in a healthy, non-codependent manner. Oh, yes. Because yes. I think a lot of times people say, okay, here's my heart. And then someone says, oh, here's my heart. And then they, like, become these codependent friendships that they can't survive outside of that hurt because that hurt is the thing that bonded them right i agree it has to be exhausting that has to be exhausting to never be in a healthy relationship to be able to truly just let what you're hearing sit let it sit it out that has to be so exhausting to be in a friendship to be able to have these deep moments even if they're sporadic but to still be carrying on to the thing that you showed up with Mm-hmm. I always hope and pray, and I know that I get it wrong a lot. Um, and then I apologize when I realize that I get it wrong or when people bring it to my attention that I did. But I, I always apologize when someone leaves an encounter with me not feeling better in some capacity if that was the hope that they were looking for. Um, if they were hoping to be able to enter a space and say, I would like to, to set this down because this is too heavy. And I can't carry this emotional weight or this experience or what I'm dealing with. And then they leave heavier than they than they came. I feel really bad in those moments. I'm like, whoops, I am so sorry. Yeah, that's it's very it's very unhealthy. But but there are also those moments that I think as. Because like for us, I know that both of us feel very strongly about healthy relationships. Oh, my gosh. Yes. If it's not a healthy relationship, I don't want it. I don't have time for and it. And like, it's just exhausting. It's because so exhausting. And I think something that we've done really well is like, we have those hard conversations. We have those vulnerable moments, but we're also really good at pointing each other to Jesus and being like, yo, I can't help you, but like, I could pray for you. <laughs> Jesus would want you to do this. Like... It's never just a, like, oh, I'm going to listen to your problems and that's the end of it. Yeah. You know, like we said in the beginning, like, you can't bully your friend, your best friend, because, like, part of friendship and part of love is that correction. So if I'm, like, spilling my guts about something and you're like, yo, (laughs) that's wrong, like, then we've found that it works to just be like, hey... I know that's what you did, but that's not what you should have done. Like, I know you saying that reminded me of the fact that one of, for a season of life, probably a little longer than it should have been. Um, my common phrase was like, not my Jesus. (laughs) Oh, my Jesus is not a part of that. I don't know what that is, but that's not, that's not okay. (laughs) Or when people would, would try to use scripture in a way that was damaging and wounding in relationships. I would often say, oh, no, my Jesus is not a part of that. Um, Yours might be. And um, then I encourage you to get to know him better because you're wrong. But that's not my Jesus. My Jesus doesn't do those things. My Jesus doesn't treat people that way. My Jesus doesn't respond that way. My Jesus doesn't sit in intentionally and willingly sit in dysfunction and toxic dynamics because it's hard to get out of it. Not my Jesus. He makes a way to get out. But also, I feel like that's the that's the Enneagram 8 in you of, like, you're just like, nah, I ain't doing it. Whereas yeah. me, the helper, <laughs> is like, oh, my God, but, like, I see their issues and I can help them and I want to help them. I think, so, 
Because we've had that conversation so many times where you're like, nah, Stephanie, be done with that person. And I'm like, but I can't because... No, but we can. I, we just choose not I to. I know that's what okay. the issue is and I want to help them. I think... So I think oftentimes individuals that identify as an Enneagram 8 tend to get mischaracterized as... Because we are so strong and so determined to speak directly to the truth that needs to be spoken to in that, in whatever, any given situation, that oftentimes people think it means that we don't care or we can't see. But it's in fact because we do care and we can see it that we speak so strongly and passionately about it. Um, Because I do, there are people I look at and I go, wow, like that must be really hard to process, to deal with, to experience, to walk in to have to live with, that must be really hard. Jesus wants better for you. So let's get you to better. Let's connect you with the people that need to be connected. You need to be connected to, to allow you to be in a better spot than you are right now. That, that tends to be my reaction and my response. I'm like, oh no, 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 don't do that. There's so many other things that we can do. So many other things, not that option. That option is a strong no. But there are a whole bunch of other options. Let's try all those other options. But I can't. Enneagram 8s, myself included, cannot just sit and watch the wheel of dysfunction continue to turn when we know that there's a way out of it, when we know that there's a different direction that we can move in, when we know that there is a different life that is healthier, that is more whole, that is more sustainable, that is more life-giving than what someone currently has. But because we are so willing to speak to those things, it makes it harder for people to want to willingly be in relationships with us when we're at that place of wanting to defend and to fight. And that's like, I feel like I have multiple friends like that. I have you who will like call the doctor's office and be like, I need you to treat her properly like a human because you ain't doing nothing. One day you will be able to make those calls for yourself or like that is the end goal. Like that time that you called to cancel my couch order and get my refund for me. One day you will be able to make those calls for yourself. But I feel like even that way, like the friends I know who are Enneagram eights or who I would think are Enneagram eights because they have those characteristics and qualities. Like they have this people either love them or hate them. Yes. Because, but then you have the people like, for me, I know that when I need to hear the truth, you guys are the ones that I go to. So like mm-hmm. when I know I'm doing something really stupid, but I need someone to set me straight, it's, I go to you or I go to Mel. Shout out to Mel. Cause she's great too. I love Mel. She's amazing. I've never met her before, but I've heard amazing things about her. But like to, to know that. At the end of the day, they're giving me the truth. They're not giving me what I want to hear to make me feel good. They're giving me the hard facts of what I need to do to to rectify that situation. I agree. Like, and I just think some people aren't built like that to want to know. Like, and so it's almost something you need to know. Like, all right, that person's going to tell me the truth at the end of the day. I will always speak truth. I will always. And you speak need truth. to accept that, or you need to not ask them at all. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. But I will say one of the the caveats to people who identify as an Enneagram Eight is that sometimes you also may not ask us, and we still might tell you because we believe that you may not see it, and we want to protect you. It's all about protection. I think people oftentimes think it's. We're dominating personalities because we just want to dominate. We want to be in control. Mm -hmm. There is a component of control that exists there. However, a large portion of it is for protection. It's based off of protecting ourselves and protecting the people that we care about. And sometimes you're just too close to a situation that you need a friend to look at you and say, absolutely not. That sounds like a disaster. We don't want to do that. We're going to do all (laughs) the other things. We're not doing that. But then we're still there to defend you. If you still do that thing that we say don't do and it turns out bad, well, you still need someone to defend you. You still need someone to as passionately and directly and sometimes aggressively 
that it's communicated that you should not do that. We are going to passionately, directly, and aggressively speak life back into you while you pick yourself back up. And so Mm -hmm. it's not just one side or the other. I think people oftentimes get frustrated or misunderstood about the directness and the strength that we bring that they don't ever get to experience. Well, that same strength is there when your life is in shambles and you need someone to speak life. We will speak life. Unwaveringly, we will speak life. That's true. We will speak life. Then we'll be there to celebrate as amazing thing happen. Amazing things happen once you start to move through recognizing the life that we are speaking and the truth that we are speaking and then you accepting it as a reality. But I I think that all friendships must have an experience of vulnerability. Like there must be a certain level of vulnerability that exists in order for that friendship to to thrive. Yeah. That's because I have friends that like I've looked at them when I met them and went, you and I are going to be friends. And they're like, you're crazy. But then as we get to know each other and slowly open up, it's, they're like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or you have the people who you're like, I'm never going to be friends with that person. And then like, you're at a party and you talk to them one-on-one and you're like, oh, you're completely different than who I thought you were. Which I think is a wonderful thing. Oftentimes... I had someone very recently say that to me, actually. They were like, you're not at all what I thought. And I was like, oh, wow. But I think okay, that, here we are. That's why, that's, I think that's why our culture is the way it is right now. Because people are so used to judging someone mm-hmm. before having a conversation. So, or they're, they're hurt from their past and they got those brick walls up. Or, I'm going to throw a third one in there. Go for it. Or... They're allowing other people to determine the health of the relationships that they have with other people. I see that happening a lot of just because I have a bad relationship with that person doesn't mean that you have to have a bad relationship with that person. It doesn't mean that that person is a bad person. It just means that my relationship with them was not great for whatever reason. It could be me. It could be them. It could just be our personalities don't jive. Our values or our morals could not be the same as either one of us think they should be, but it doesn't mean someone's a bad person. But oftentimes people will say, well, you don't like them. And because I like you, I cannot like them because I can't like them and like you at the same time, because that's just going to cause chaos internally for them. And that's not the reality. There are a lot of people that I'm friends with that other people are like, I don't know why you're friends with them. And my response is, (laughs) that's unfortunate. I don't know what to tell you, but okay. But I am. Me too. Yeah. Because my relationship is going to be drastically different than someone else's relationship is with them. But also. It's also none of their business. It's not. And I can, I see people differently. And that's just, I, I'd like to think and hope and pray that everybody sees people the way that I do. I realize that that's not the case, but I still hope for it. I still hope for it. I, I can, I can, I see people based off of the love that they deserve and that they should have not based off of what people are giving them or the potential that they do have and that they can achieve, but not the potential that they've kind of stalled out and settled at. That's not always true. Cause the moment someone does wrong, Listen, does wrong, you say, nah, <laughs> that's because at that point you've proven me wrong. <laughs> you've proven me wrong. You've said Plot twist, Brittany, everything that you thought about me is 100% wrong. Oh, that's cool. Thank you for telling me. We're going to move forward. But that, so that is true. But it's true. You do have mad love for everybody until they do something. <laughs> until I don't. Bad. I do and until I don't. Like, and then it's like the end of the world trying to get you to like that person again. It, it typically doesn't happen. I know. I can, no, it typically doesn't happen. I can get to a it place really where... Doesn't. I can, I will always respect a person, meaning I will communicate you, communicate with you in a very respectful manner, in a very kind manner. That's all I got though. But it's, there's no personal manner there. It's all professional. No business environment or transaction that needs to happen. It'll all be professional business. Yeah. At all. But I do, I, I give everybody, I give everybody a chance. Now, for anybody who, who says, I might want to be friends with Brittany, 
just know that there's a certain brand of crazy that comes with being friends with me. <laughs> Um, you, oh gosh. you don't have to have that brand of crazy. You just need to know what you're getting into. Um, but let's go for the journey. I, I feel like you should share examples. Cause I know I could give examples. <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like we could use a good laugh at this point. Okay. A good laugh. An example, an example, an example, like right now. When you say, what do I do with this bicycle in my garage? So You know what? Let me Pinterest this. I'm going to build a desk out of this bike. Let me go to the store and buy some spray paint. And then I ask what your plan is. And you're like, plan? What plan? We're going to wing it. I don't know. I'm just looking at the picture. <laughs> that is that is true. I, I did. I, I had a bike that I was gifted. A few years ago, I don't know why I was gifted said bike, but I was. Oh my god! Um, it's okay though. It, that the origins of the gift are irrelevant. I was gifted this bike. Completely irrelevant. I've <laughs> I've had it for about four or five years. I've ridden it about one time. So we're looking at on average one ride a year, and not a long ride. And I was tired of looking at it in my garage. I had a rough week this week. It it just it was not a good week this week. I was tired of looking at it in my garage every time I came home from work. And so I decided I'm going to do something with it. So I typed into Google, Google, what do you do with a bike you don't want? Google said, sell it. And I said, yep, we're not going to do that. We're going to do something different because I tried to sell it once before and that did not go over well. And so then Pinterest said, we have an idea. And I said, yes, Pinterest, the place where dreams go to live, to die or to stall out because it gives you too many ideas that you're just like, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to freeze and not do anything. Or it gives you so many ideas, you say, I'm not going to be able to accomplish any of these things. Or it's like, oh, I can do all of these things. I happen to be the person who logs on the Pinterest and I can do all the things. I can do all of them. Everything it tells me, I can do that. I, I, can, I can do it. And so <laughs> I saw this photo of a bike. You turn a bike into a desk. And not the type of desk where you can like, you pedal the bike and you can still work. No, like an actual usable desk. And so I thought to myself, we're going to do this, this is going to happen. So I sent a text message to my dad. Shout out to my dad. He's the greatest. Um, and said, Dad, can I borrow some tools? He asked what tools. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> Pinterest says I can turn a bike into a desk. And so I need tools that will allow me to do that. At which point he said, OK, am I bringing them to you or are you coming to get them? I'll come get them. I ended up not getting the tools because what I learned today is that who needs tools when putting together a bike desk? Not me. I figured out a way to make it work without tools, without a tape measure, but spray paint that got all over my new manicure. But it's fine. It's okay. The bike looks great, I think, for step one. It looks great. All you did was paint it so far, Brittany. It looks great to be spray painted. Okay, but also, so when you sent that text <laughs> to the wonderful group chat the group that chats. we have. Yes. Um. My first thought was when Ron was like, oh, Brittany built a desk with a door, huh? <laughs> and then he was so impressed. And it was like, yeah, Stephanie did all of this. <laughs> I, I helped. I did all help. Did was, all you did was paint. I'm, okay, that's a help. That's helping. Yeah. That's helping. I did. I painted and I stained the finished product. Now, but I do, you like, remember, do you remember his face when you were like, yeah. Because didn't they go with us to get, like, a door or something from Restore? I feel like he saw the door at some point, and he was like, you're going to make this a desk. I think he did. I think he met us and there. And he made the face. He made this face that said, like, listen, Brittany, this isn't going to happen the way you want it I... to. Good luck, boo. Yes, I 100% own the fact that I am my parent's child, and I am this in every person's life. Where when I say that I'm doing something, everyone's like, oh, wow, you're going to do that? And I'm like, yes. I say it too confidently. Like, my yes is always too confident for the skill level required to do whatever it is. I will never. But my dad is like that with me in general, though, because when I ran my first half marathon, I said to him, like, I said to him, Dad, I'm going to run. A, I'm going to run a half marathon. And he just laughed. He was like, OK. <laughs> For some context, the last time that I had ever done any type of sport or anything involving physical activity was when I played baseball at nine years old. I was horrible. I was horrible. I own that. I was horrible. It was in that moment that my parents said, 
sports is not your thing. We're going to get you a library card. Go read all the books you want to because that's more your speed. They were not lying. They were shout out to them for being amazing parents and identifying that I was not going to be their athletic child in any way. But I told him about it and I said, dad, I'm going to run this half marathon. It's going to be great. I had just started working at my current job at the time and they're all big runners. And I was, we're going to try this. This is going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. My dad looked at me in the most gentle and kind fatherly way anybody could ever look at their child. And he said, you do know running involves putting one foot in front of the other at a moderately (laughs) productive pace. And I said, yes, yes, I do know. His response was, okay, great. I will say in my defense, it was a horrible idea. And I own the fact, looking back, that everybody was right. It was a horrible life choice for me at the time. However, I have gone on to run, I think I did two half marathons, a couple of 5Ks, and a 10-miler. But I am that friend. I'm that friend. I'm going to sign all of us up to do the crazy thing that nobody has ever done before. That is me. I know, because you signed me up to do a 5K with you. (laughs) It was a great time. And I really thought you were going to be like all in and going and going. And I was going to be huffing and puffing in the back. Nope, that was me. I was the huffer and puffer. And you were like the slowest. Like, I think I was walking while you were jogging. I will say, I am not fast. I only jogged. You jogged the entire 5K and I walked the entire 5K and we still had like the same exact time. I own the fact that I am not fast. So I'm never going to be that friend that's going to say we are going to be amazingly wonderful and talented at all the things. But I am that friend that's going to take us on adventures. It was fun. We had fun. I just signed up for... a birthday weekend. It was. I just signed up for a race in November. A 10 mile race in Philly in November this week. Well, now everyone will know where you're going to be in Philly. So come cheer me on. In November. I will be the person who is wearing the neon colored sneakers because I only run in neon colored sneakers. So if I am passing out, it's fine. I will be okay. I will get back up. But that is I. It is me. No need for alarm or concern. But I am that friend. I am that that brand of crazy. We're going to try all of the things at least one time. I'll post photos on Instagram as to what this bike desk looks like when it's done. (laughs) (laughs) just be kind to me please because it's it's, (laughs) i don't know what it's gonna look like but we're gonna try it but that that is i am that type of friend we will do the fun crazy things but i also will sit with you in incredibly vulnerable moments with no judgment and we will talk through whatever needs to be talked through and we will pray through whatever needs to be prayed through i will pray i pray for all of my friends on an almost daily basis I will, what a I will, great friend you are. I will go to war for you spiritually. I will also lay hands if we need to physically lay hands. But I prefer prayer <laughs> hands. I prefer <laughs> I prefer prayer hands. Um, I was waiting for it. Yep. I prefer to, to pray for people, to lay hands on people via prayer. But if you need that friend, I'm there. I'm there. But I think vulnerability exists. I also don't know what this episode is. It has been a rabbit trail of all rabbit trails. It is. It is a very interesting friendship episode. I like, I will say this much, during the year, a little over a year, that I was in transplant jail, for those of you who've never heard me say that, <laughs> that is the, the, a little over a year where I was not permitted to leave the state of Pennsylvania and not permitted to leave the two-hour radius of my home to the hospital where I would eventually have my transplant at. I felt like I was a disastrous friend to people. I felt like I was a disastrous friend. I think that was probably the thing that I struggled with the most during that season of my life and that I could not show up for my friends the way I wanted to. But I also feel like that was an op- that was a opportunity for your friends to show up for you. Cuz I know like at that point you had mostly come to see me because I was like always freaking working and I never had time off. And so, like, you would randomly have, like, four days off and be like, all right, I'm going to come down and see you. Yep. And so, like, I think with you being in your transplant jail, as you are calling it, <laughs> like, it gave us the opportunity of, like, okay, so now I'm going to come to you because I know you can't come to me. I agree. And so I think I think it gave you the opportunity to see the friends that were willing to show up for you. 
Because you don't always need to be the one that's showing up for other people. Like, sometimes you need someone to show up for you. Like, I remember there was that one time that I came up and I literally got there and Ron said, so are you taking her to the hospital or am I? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, how do we want to do this? And I was like, I got it, Ron. No problem. (gasps) Like, (laughs) even if it was coming up and then spending like, was it like eight hours in the ER because... Your drugs were making your legs swell or something. <laughs> that was a that was a crazy. Ex- I remember that now. That was the cra- that was a crazy experience. Yes, I, but I, was I like, agree. The moment that I got there was all right. So you taking her or are we? And I was like, Nah, I'm here. I got you. Y'all go enjoy your night. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> I agree. I think that season and that time and that period of my life allowed me to sit still for long enough for the people that I was constantly in their corner for. And I don't say that as a bad thing. I love being in people's corner. I loyalty is the, is one of the biggest values to me. I value loyalty so much. And so because of that, I will show up for people because I want them to know that I'm loyal. Good times, bad times, indifferent times, weird times. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show up. Um, and that was an opportunity for people to show up for me in a way that I didn't even know that I needed in terms of my friendship cup needing to be filled in that way. It was weird and it was hard in the beginning. I was not a fan. It was, it was different. It was different. A lot of my reactions and response. Oh no, please don't. Oh, you don't have to come see me. It's fine. When I'm able to visit, I'll visit again. Um, and then people were like, yeah, you're dumb. We're coming to you. Who knows long, how long you're going to be in transplant jail? Valid, though. That's very valid. And then you had the people who were like, oh, well, I hope God gives her a liver. If not, at least she knows him. <laughs> and they'd be killing you off. <laughs> so, so many people fictionally <laughs> killed me off. And I say it in that way because so many people, so many people just, so that was their reaction, people. their response of, Oh, I hope you're okay. But if not, you know, Jesus, amen. I do. That was the worst pep, pep talk. Um, is that encouragement? Okay. I, I missed all the encouraging elements in that, but thank you so much. Um, but I appreciate those people. I enjoyed, I enjoyed those things. They were funny. They were funny. <laughs> they, they were funny. They, they were funny. She says they were funny in the moment, but I also think They came at times, oddly enough, if I sit here and trace it back, they came at times when I was one sad doctor's appointment or one dismal experience or one really rough day away from just being like, I don't care anymore about any of these things. Um, When someone fictionally kills you off and they, they tell you to your face that they're fictionally killing you off, it's like, wow, well, thank you so much. I'm not dying. And I'm going to show you that I'm not by doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in a weird and unique and twisted way, it did turn out to be very, very encouraging. It turned out, turned out to be very encouraging. That, that's going to have to be, I think it should be its own episode talking about my liver transplant and all the, the beautiful gems that I learned during that journey. It's going to have to be an episode. Because it's a, it's a. Yeah, there are a lot of things there. But but down the line a little bit cuz you know, I can't go that deep right away. No, and I'm I'm what I'm learning recently is that I'm still not at a place to to fully sit down and talk about the whole experience yet. Makes sense. There's there's still some elements of it that I am still processing and also some elements that I didn't we know my nonchalant reaction and response to things that I'm just now realizing, oh, wow, that was a really big, oh, that was a big deal. Um, that everyone else around me knew was a big deal and, and the world knew. And, and Jesus was like, hey, that's a big deal. And I was like, eh, Jesus, you got this. I'm not stressing. Um, that I probably should have not stressed, but been more intentional thinking about it. But that's neither here nor there. We can talk about that at a later date. Okay. So let's wrap this one up with a shout out to a person who's been a good friend to you. Oh my gosh, like one person? I have to pick one person? Like one person. 
I can't pick one person. Why you gotta be so difficult? Because I can't pick one person. It, because if I truly and genuinely think about it, 100% all honesty. It's not like you're not giving them a level. It's just <laughs> a person. A tiered system. That if they end up listening to this, they're like, aw, that encourages me. Um, I appreciate that she appreciates me. Okay. Um, uh, one person, one person, one person. My friend Lindsay O. I love Lindsay O. Oh, my goodness. She is, she is so amazing. I'm going to get teary-eyed just talking about how amazing she is. She is so amazing. But she is someone in the past couple of months that she just will randomly send me a Marco Polo, just checking in to see how I'm doing. But she's also been allowing me the space and the vulnerability to process through some of the things that I've needed to process through um, while also holding me accountable, um, fighting against the lies that at times I'm trending towards believing, but also speaking truth when truth needs to be spoken to appropriately. And she does so, so gently. It's so nice because I'm not gentle. So it's nice. <laughs> it's nice. I'm going to just call it like I see it is going to be what it is. But I, she, I have really, really genuinely appreciated her existence in my life, what she represents, and, and the cheerleader that she has been for me. So shout out, Lindsay O. Shout out to Lindsay O. She's amazing. I love her so much. I actually was supposed to go visit her this upcoming Memorial Day weekend, but... My brother decided he wanted to do something with his life and he wants to graduate from that thing that he's doing. And so I have to go see him <laughs> do that instead. But I'm not bitter, nor am I upset. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do love my brother. It's going to be a lot of fun. But Lindsay O, shout out to Lindsay O. Shout out to Lindsay O. <laughs> I know that was a lot in one week. Also, I just apologize up front to anybody that I've encountered over the past seven days that experienced an unfiltered, highly emotional Brittany. We don't see her out in the wild often, but we did this past week, and I am sorry, because it was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) You didn't even experience emotional me in the wild, but, you know, that's fine, too. Oh, no, I did. You should read through some of our texts or Marco Polo. I don't need to. We can let that live in the past. We don't need to bring the past (laughs) up into the present. It's okay. Um, This is why we take turns having these emotional moments and breakdowns, because one of us needs to be sane when the other one is not. That's true. It was a mess this week, but it's okay. We made it through the end. So shout out to Lindsay O. My apologies to people who encountered emotional over the top me. We are back to regularly scheduled program as of Monday. I'm just going to, I'm going to ride it out through the weekend. I'm just going to ride it out through the weekend to make sure it's all gone. So who, who is somebody that you would give a friend shout out to? I would shout out to Mel. Mel, Mel. Melly Mel. Cause I feel like she is, she has been a constant for the last few years when like everything else was uncertain. Like I had her giving me that truth. When it was like, uh, or like even in like this past, you know, few months where she's like, yeah, you can't do that. That's crazy. Like with my work schedule and my work life where to the point that, you know, she literally just got me the new job that I have now. Congratulations. So like, thank you. Like the shout out of like not only being that person that's encouraging me to do better, but also like helping me get the opportunity to move up and do better and be better. Like I have, I think a lot of people can give that lip service of encouragement, but then they don't want to do anything on their part. I agree. And I feel like Mel is always that person who's like, I will run through a burning building for you. She will. I appreciate Mel for what she has been in your life. Um, for the simple fact that when you had surgery last year, I sent a text message knowing that she had your phone to get an update and she very professionally responded. <laughs> and I appreciated that in that moment. Um, I was a little frustrated in the sense that she didn't give me all the information that I was looking for. However, I, that was really meaningful to me while you were going through what you were going through and the fact that, that I couldn't be there or your family wasn't there at the time. And it was just a lot happening that she showed up in an amazing way 
and said, I'm going to take care of her and she's going to be fine. I'm also not going to answer any questions until she gives me permission to answer these questions, (laughs) Um, which I appreciated that. However, I'm not one of those people. I don't fall into that category of permission needing for answers. I just, is she good? That but, is true. <laughs> but at the time she did that. And I, I, I really appreciated that. That was, that was meaningful for me to know that you have someone in your corner like that. So I appreciate Mel for, for who yeah. she is. And even like on that point, like even when I went home, like she knew that I was, I shouldn't have been alone for the first few days, like, mm-hmm. cause I wouldn't be able to get up. And so she, instead of like expecting me to find it, she was like, yeah, I got these people lined up. She took care these of people it. are like she had a whole schedule of people coming to visit me to make sure that when she wasn't here, I was taken care of. She, she so took, like yeah. forever, forever in her corner, forever backing her up, which I appreciate. She is just the most loyal human being in the world who would run through fire. Yes, and loyalty is hard to come by. So that is that is a beautiful thing. So shout out to Mel. Shout out Appreciate to Mel. Appreciate you. Love you. Can't wait for you to be my boss. Congratulations. Congratulations, Mel, for, for having to supervise the crazy that is Steph. Good luck on your journey and your endeavors. Know that my loyalty is always on the right side of, of non-crazy. So if you need someone to, to take her out, get in a check, just let me know. Mm-hmm. Sure. Anyways, <laughs> any any last parting thought? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, conspiracies, all the things, none of the things, questions, statements? I have way too much for the amount of time that's left. All right. Well, that's thanks. why this is like an ongoing thing. <laughs> that's true. Thanks for listening, everybody. This week, I will post pictures on the Instagram about this bike desk and how it turns out. So she will post pictures. And be kind. I will be in the comment. Not being kind. Be kind. Steph is the the number one troll, so we respect the troll that she is on the internet. Always trolling Brittany. Always. what I live for. Always. It it keeps me humble, though. So um, ignore her unkind statements in the Instagram comments. But feel free to hop on over, um, and we will talk to you guys soon. Peace. Bye.